right, well, here we go. Uh, new year. We have a new series called Guardrails. I know that that was a riveting uh, 50 seconds for you. You've never been so excited to watch images of guardrails. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. But before I jump full into this new series, uh, I just want to take a moment to just say, you know, maybe you might be wondering, you know, what, what is our plan for engaging this year? And uh, with, you know, just understanding the Omicron variant is hitting a surge here in New York City and it's disrupting things quite a bit. And so um, for us, as we engage this year, our, our plan, our goal is to keep engaging and loving you um, in, 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 in the ways that we've been doing. And so uh, we feel like with the protocols we have are very strong, we're going to continue to love you and engage in community together. And so we plan to continue to meet here on Sunday. And so as best as we are always able to do that, we will hold a place for you to be in person or online. And so every single week, we still have our online feed, our live feed happening right now. And so many of you I know are watching uh, wherever you may be today. And it is awesome to have you with us and here together. Our dinner groups will be starting here in a week or so, uh, getting back together. And we'll also have you having signups for dinner groups starting in February. And we're going to continue to do that. This Thursday, um, we start back to uh, serving at the Sharing Place. We do that once a month, uh, every single month, where we serve a food pantry just up the hill. And you are invited to join us. We'll be gathering at 7 p.m. We help them bag up all the food that they get ready for their Saturday distribution. So we're going to continue to do these things. And so we're going to hold these, and then you decide how you engage. In the Scriptures, which says this to us in Hebrews 10, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And I believe this is something that we can do in all times, in all things, in all situations. We're called to one another because of what Christ has done for us. And we want to continue to love the city in this way. And I want to encourage you... Wherever you're at and, how, you know, however you feel about things in the world, to find ways to love Christ and to love others. It, it says here in Hebrews, it says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so even if you, if you know of people, if you know of, of someone maybe you can go for a walk with or engage with, if you're watching us online, I encourage you to chat with us. We have someone chatting there now on our online platform. Now, if you're here in person, you get to see someone, and that is encouraging. And you guys can encourage one another on the online platform. It, whatever you're doing in your dinner groups, whatever it may be, find ways to connect and stay engaged with one another. And we're going to do that. And it might look strange, like as, as things happen, we have a couple of people out this morning from our stage just because of quarantining and COVID issues, like that's just going to happen. And so we're just going to be family together here and this time on Sundays and as best we can love each other and love this city during the week. And so we are invited to engage with us as we do that. Okay, sound good? All right, so I got that out of the way. Let's jump right into this new series. I know that like I left you hanging with amazing images of guardrails. That's what we're talking about. In fact, this is actually, it's a new conversation and an old conversation because, you know, it's new because we're starting it today. We're beginning it uh, over the next uh, five Sundays starting today. Um, but it's actually an old conversation. Some of you were with us four years ago when we actually talked about guardrails. 
And it was a very impactful message. Like every once in a while, it'll come up in a conversation with somebody who was there then because of how it impacted us. Because we're thinking about deeper foundations of our heart that impact every single part of your life. And as I was praying and thinking about how do we want to start the year together and think about leading this year forward, this is something I was like, we need to bring this back to help us have some of this terminology and these principles for all of us today. And so as you think about the year, and I don't know, you might, you know, you may be a New Year's resolution person or not. I don't really set New Year's resolutions, but I love the changing of the year. And even though it's just, you know, time moving on, I love that focus of thinking about the year ahead. And I do a lot of thinking and a lot of planning and praying during this time. And you may do the same. You may be thinking about the year ahead. And you may, and you may not even be thinking about it, but there's something in your head. I'd love for this year to be this way or whatever it may be. So as you do that, as you think about your life, your job, your dreams, your goals, relationships, whatever it may be, that for you to accomplish that, there are things that, that could derail that that you don't even know that are there. And you might even find yourself saying, well, this didn't happen this last year. Why is it that I can't get past this? Well, many times there's something deeper going, uh, going on under the surface with your heart that impacts every single one of these areas, and you never even know that it's there. And those are the things that I want to call our attention to because we, we do generally a good job of setting goals and, and, and walking towards something, but we forget about our heart. And so I want to lead you into thinking about this, and it will impact every area of your life. So guardrails. What are guardrails? Well, in the transportation world, here's a definition for you. I know you're excited, okay? Uh, it's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And there are four common locations for guardrails to exist. So we see them on bridges where there's very little room for air, right? We, and then we see them in medians to kind of protect you from oncoming traffic. And the most common place that we see them is in, on the shoulders, the side of the roads, right? That's when you think of guardrails, that's where it's typically, yeah, you know, it's, it's protecting you from some unexpected change or a curve, or some huge drop-off in the road or cliff or ravine, I don't know. Like, that's just what they're there for. But there's a fourth area that maybe you never even knew existed. Like I mentioned, we did this, like, years, when we did this originally, I had a guy in my dinner group who worked for the MTA, and he was like, did you know? I don't know if he said it like that, but he's like, <laughs> he's like, there are guardrails on the subway tracks, on train tracks. And so he sent me this image, and you had no idea all these years you've been taking the subway, there's guardrails under the train. And so there you go, that shiny rail there. You, some of you are like, what is that box thing? I remember that, was, that happened in one point in time in my life. I used to ride those things. What is it? Oh, yeah, the subway. There you go. And uh, that was a bad joke. But anyway, guardrail, there you go. Guardrails are everywhere. You had no idea. Guardrails do two main things. They protect you. That's an obvious one. But they also direct you. Isn't that interesting? Uh, also, four years ago, my wife was traveling the weekend that we started this series, and she was going to Western New York in the Great Lakes region and for a wedding. And so January in, in the Great Lakes area in Western New York is the worst time to have a wedding because it's like it's insane winter and tons of snow, but there was no snow in the forecast, so she's like, I can go, I can do this. So she went up there with, with my kids. We had three kids in tow with her. And she left me here all alone by myself. It was, it was you know, I, I survived. And, uh, but anyway, um, but it, and she hit a massive snowstorm. And here's the problem with the Great Lakes area is they, 
uh, there's lake effect snow. There's any kind of wind that comes off the Great Lakes. It's a lot of snow. It's a Great Lake. And so the lake effect snow happens, and she ran into this massive snowstorm. And she was only like 35 minutes away from her destination, but it took her like an hour, hour and a half because of this. And she said the only way that she made it was able to keep going was because of the guardrails. She could see in the side of the roads where the guardrails are, and it helped her know what was the safe area and how to keep going and what was the direction to be headed in. Guardrails actually direct you as well. Pretty interesting. But you never really think about guardrails, right? Until you really need one, until you're spinning out on a road somewhere or whatever it may be, and then you're like thankful that a guardrail is there. Or you're in a situation where you realize there's not a guardrail and you wish there was. I remember I had this amazing opportunity, I think it was about 15 years ago, to go to Indonesia uh, right after the tsunami hit that entire region, like of India and Indonesia and all that region. When that huge tsunami hit, about three months after, I was able to be part of this uh, relief group. It was a bunch of churches that organized together and to go. And you couldn't really fly in a group of people to that area. It was just so devastated. So we flew into a major city. This is in the main island of Sumatra. And then we had to drive, and we got in this tiny bus, and we had to drive over a mountain to get to the northern tip where it was so devastated. And so a group of us, probably like 12 of us, packed in this tiny little bus, and we went over this insane mountain road. If it had been straight, you know, there, it would probably taken two hours. It's a flat road. But I think it took us about 12 because the roads are so crazy and windy. And so we're, there's so many things happening. One is we all felt sick. And I had Dramamine with me, and I became the most popular person ever as we're winding through these roads. But they're barely big enough for just two lanes to exist. There was no markings. And so cars are going each way on this road as we're winding through. And that was a crazy thing. And then the people are driving insane. If you've ever been to an area of the world where it's not as, as developed, right? Like you've probably had these experiences. And we're on this mountain. All you see is a cliff and people driving crazy. And then that's when I noticed there are no guardrails. There's no infrastructure. And so it just makes the whole thing be way more tense. And then the way they're driving was even crazier. And so we'd be driving along and there's, you can't pass. But they're like, oh, now we can pass. <laughs> and so... They would go around the truck, and then we'd be like blazing forward, and the next thing we know, another giant truck would be coming around the curve, and you're head-on going toward this, and at the last second, this dude, you know, gets over and passes, and it was insane. And, and it's in that moment, you're, I'm very aware of no guardrail, no protection, and you wish it was there. So you never even think about it until you need it. Now, one other fascinating thing. I know I've got you on the edge of your seats talking about all of these transportation things. But guardrails, and you've never thought about this, guardrails are never placed in the danger area. It, they're always put before a danger area. Almost 90% or more of the time, wherever it's possible. So it's not like guardrail and the cliff, right? There's a cliff, and then there's space of actual safe road, and then the guardrail is put there. So where the guardrail is, you could still drive on that. Technically, you would be fine or whatever it may be. It's never placed in the danger area. You, some of you never thought about that. So you're in, a, in your Uber or whatever. Next time you're on the road, you're like, well, that's exactly right. So there you go. And it's interesting. So guardrails are designed to minimize damage. So if you, if you hit one, there's going to be damage. And maybe you're mad about this. The guardrail wasn't here. I wouldn't have hurt my car. But 
But it's minor in comparison to what could have happened wherever they are. So, transportation isn't the only place we need guardrails. This is where we're headed with this, and maybe you're, you know, you'll probably get where I'm going with this, but your greatest regrets may have been avoided if you had established a personal guardrail in your life, whether it was a financial guardrail, a moral, relational, or professional, whatever it may be. And your future regrets can be avoided if we learn to pursue personal guardrails. So the question for you to consider is, is it possible for us to establish personal guardrails in our life? And I want to argue today that it is essential for you to do this. So what's a definition then for a personal guardrail? Well, here's, here's an attempted one. A personal, a, guard, a personal guardrail is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. A personal standard of behavior where your conscience is dinged. So when you come up beside whatever this is, your conscience is like, whoa, whoa, whoa something's wrong here. This is, a, this is a, a barrier that's going to, there's something beyond this not far away that can lead you to destruction. And this is especially in the areas of life where there is extreme danger. And here's the thing. This is a personal standard. This isn't something that you're holding someone else to, that you hold over them. This is something that impacts you because all of us are impacted differently. All of us are led and prone towards different things more than others. But here's the trouble with doing this and establishing this is that it means that you are, you're, you're putting a limit in your life. And just like an actual guardrail that we see in our world, you're going to put this in a place where it's still kind of safe. You're creating a standard where you're probably okay in that moment, but you're developing a hard thing that helps you protect you from danger. And so this is where it's interesting because we don't like that. It's like, but there's so much more safe space for me to kind of push and to engage in. And we want more blurry lines. We want painted lines, right? So you like that. On the road, if you go over the white line, you know, you drift to the edge a little bit, you know, you pull back. You're like, well, that was fine. But if you look down at your phone and you drift across the double yellow line, the median, you can, you can run into incredible danger. Head-on collision or something that's incredibly destructive. It doesn't actually help you avoid the danger. But we don't like that. We don't like being limited. Doesn't, and so this is interesting. And so we have these blurry lines, I would say. Like we say phrases like, yeah, just gamble responsibly. Like, that's a whole crate. Like, the word gamble itself means it's not sure, right? Because it's a gamble, right? Like, it's like, how do you do that responsibly? This is not a sure thing. But, you know, we do these commercials, and we'll suck you in, and we have all these attractive dealers that are trained to give, give money out of you, but do it responsibly. No big deal, right? Like, like how does that? So we, we say things like, maybe this is a better one, you, you should just drink responsibly. Just drink responsibly. And that phrase, it's like, what is that, Right? I mean, the more you drink, the more responsible you feel. <laughs> so it's like 10 drinks in, you're like, well, yeah, I mean, I've never been more concerned and control of my life than I am right now. Like, like you feel way more responsible. That's a problem. Like, well, I should be responsible. Okay. 
What does that look like? Or we say things like, listen to your heart. That'll never lead you wrong. Or follow your heart, right? Like, these are very blurry things that don't actually necessarily mean anything. We think there's a guardrail when there's none at all. And this is why guardrails are hard for you and I, because we have a limit towards something destructive. But we're prone to do it. It's something that you want to do. You're drawn towards. We have things come in our life, hardships or, or you know, difficulties or you know, some emotional hit happens or somebody says something or a trigger from the past, and we're hurt and we're prone to these things. And that's one reason it's hard. The other reason is culture around you will mock you for having a guardrail. And this is where you'll take a ding for having a guardrail. Wait, what? You're only going to do this or you, you don't, you don't, you know, you're like only going to have these many drinks. Why aren't you going to celebrate with us? You have this line. It was like, well, you're fine. Why would you just keep going? Like you create lines in your life. And people are like, what are you doing? Culture will mock you for this. So we have to be careful. It makes it hard. And then the other problem is they'll mock you when you fall. It's the craziest thing. They'll mock you for having this. But then when you fall, they're like, oh, I can't believe you. Did you hear about this person? They had this DUI. Like, how could they ever do that? I was like, what did you expect? And so the culture baits us to the edge, will mock you for having a guardrail, but then they'll mock you when you we see this over and over again. Everything in culture is pushing us to the limits of everything. But then we don't even acknowledge what the headlines are filled with mocking people who fell, who went off the cliff. And we don't put two and two together. So the point, what's the point of all this? The point for us to know and understand is if, if you opt for a personal guardrail in your life, you probably won't be celebrated. But you'll have fewer regrets. And so this is not an original idea. We see, if we look into the scriptures, if we look at the, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament scriptures, and the New Testament scriptures that we have after Jesus' death and his resurrection, we see over and over again the encouragement for us to be intentional about how we live and to be wise and to put boundaries in our, in our, in our lives and understanding that we're prone to lead ourselves to destruction. And so what I want to do today as, as we kick this series off, is just help you understand why this is so important and to really convince you of, of taking steps like this in your life. And I want to lead us to this passage found in Ephesians, where Apostle Paul is writing this, this church that was started in the Greco-Roman world not too long after Jesus' resurrection. And it's found in Ephesus. We have this incredible letter that's written to this church to encourage them. It's talking about things to do and to not do and to stay away from. And then he comes to these three verses that we have here. It's very impactful for us. What I'm going to do is read these three all together and then just kind of walk through it and unpack it together with you. So it's found in Ephesians 5, starting at verse 15. It says this. He says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I love this. The very first phrase, he says, Be very careful then how you live. 
literally, it means be careful where you step. So, like, the best analogy would be, like, the sidewalks that you walk on, right? Like, like the irresponsible dog owners cause you to be careful where you step. You are intentionally being focused on this. And now that we've had snow, like, the irresponsibility goes way up. Just wait till it all melts. You'll know what I'm talking about, all right? That's literally what it's talking about. It's in, watch where you're going, look around, be careful, not careless. So this speaks to being intentional. The life isn't just all, all this disconnected, unconnected things. You just kind of pursue this. You need to understand that the decisions you make impact everything that you do. This is wisdom. Be, be very careful then how you live. Look around, look ahead, look back, think about what you've done in your history, your propensities for different things. Be careful how you live. And he says, not as unwise, but as wise. And I love this statement. And what's amazing is in the New Testament, wisdom serves as the decision-making template for us. It's better and clearer than just right and wrong. And I love this because Jesus came to, to take the law away from us because we couldn't keep all the rules anyway. And so now we're learning to follow Christ. And as Christ followers, we said, Jesus, you're the, you're the, the Lord of my life. That's what we do. And we say that I, I believe your words are the words that lead me towards life. It's wisdom. What is the right thing to do for me? What's the wise thing to do? It's really a better way to, to look at circumstances. So we need to learn to be wise. Not as unwise, but as wise. We're seeking wisdom. And it says, making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. This is actually a monetary phrase. It literally means redeeming the time. Redeeming, a monetary thing where we say, this is a value. And I want to make sure to redeem this in a very substantial way. Don't you wish you could go back and get time that you wasted we all have something like you look back on your life and you're like man you just in one of these days you're bored you're thinking or something triggers your mind you're like oh you know i wish if i had just known or wish i'd be more productive i wasted that opportunity with this relationship this job opportunity with a class or a grade or uh just a an, an interaction with a parent and like you wish you could redeem that time so it's encouraging us to think about what we do now. The decisions that you're making, you want to redeem the time that you have now. As our world continues to feel unstable, we have such amazing opportunity. Today, we are served by the many who redeemed their time on an early Sunday morning and came and served us today. And they got here early and helped set up this space. And we've ran about a thousand cords for our online feed and our food and we're redeeming the time that loves us, making the most of every opportunity. There's such great life to live and to be had. Why, did, why should we do this? Paul says, because the days are evil. These are dangerous times. And it was very much dangerous where they lived. They literally paid their lives for their faith in Christ during that time. It was incredible. And he continues, he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And this is where, what does it mean to be foolish? 
But we just kind of go about life thinking, you know, I just do this now and it's no big deal. But life is connected. Events in life aren't just isolated. They work together. And so we learn to look at the past. We look at what's going on now and we look to the future. One of the ways to be wise, to not be foolish, is to look ahead and say, what would I, what, where do I want to be? And then how do the decisions I make now impact this? It helps us make good decisions now. So he says, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And really, though, what that saying is, it's an imperative to face up to, to look up and stop deceiving yourself. You know what you need to do to ensure that you do what you ought to do. And there are things that are happening in your life. There are places and there are boundaries and there's lines that you push. That you know that are dangerous. And you're like, it's not that impactful. We need to wake up to these small decisions, build up to things over time. Our hearts will deceive us. So understand what the Lord's will is. And then he gives us a specific example of what this looks like. He says, he says don't get drunk on wine. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to... And if there's any place in the scriptures where I wish there was a dot, dot, dot. So I've got the dot, dot, dot for you today. Like, I because, you know, it's in the writing. So he's like, but you just create a pause, which leads to, and you can fill in the blanks. Like, anything come to mind there? Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to, anyone come to mind? Know of anyone who wishes this had been a guardrail for them, right? And so what is it? Guardrail is essentially whatever it is in your life that leads to fill in the blank. That leads to massive debt and entrapment. That leads to you feeling ashamed and feeling guilty and being overwhelmed. or being, It leads to jealousy and, and things that are hurtful to you. Or it leads to this comment on social media that you wish you could have taken back. Like how many articles do you see a week where, oh, they deleted the post, right? And that doesn't do any good because everybody captured it already, right? Those are the lead to things. And I love this. So someone could say, well, is getting drunk a sin? Well, there's a better way of looking at this. Think about, is it wise? The answer is, it's foolish. It's foolish. It's not leading you towards something. For many, getting drunk is a goal. It should be a guardrail, if not before. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to, this is a fun word, ready? Debauchery. It's a word we don't really use that often. What does it mean? What does that mean? Well, it's indulgence resulting from a loss of self-control. You lose yourself. And we are pulled into things, and we're pulled across the line and blurry lines, and we don't realize how close the edge is, and we flirt with it. And you and I, we need Places there are guardrails for us. My wife and I, just using the drinking example, we, for us, we don't drink alone. It's something in our own marriage and our own lives that we've just said. We know that creates a very good guardrail in our life. We don't drink alone. Some of you have guardrails where you don't drink. You understand because of your past and your history and these different things. 
God has given us freedom. We see the blessing of, of, of you know, Jesus' first miracle, by the way, was creating an insane amount of wine, like an insane amount of wine for this wedding party. It's an amazing story. You should look it up. If you don't read scriptures much, it's fascinating. It was his very first miracle. And it's, a, it's a great because Mary, his mom, is like, hey, you got to do this. <laughs> That's literally what she said. She's like, I've endured a lot, okay? <laughs> it's, really was a, it's an amazing story. Scripture talks about the blessing it can be. We know we're, we have, we're prone to different things, and we don't need to set that kind of a boundary. In our own lives, when we watch different things, there are shows that Aaron and I say we won't watch. And so it's going to come up conversation. Well, have you seen this episode? Have you watched this? And we're like, no, we just don't watch that. We're like, what? Like, and so there's things. Like, we'll take a hit. And we survive. But the decisions that we make because we want to protect ourselves, our hearts, and our marriage. And those are personal boundaries that we have decided. What are the things that lead you to? It keeps us in self-control. So do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, now if you're not a Christ follower, everything really so far can apply to your life if it fits well. But now Paul begins to leverage his belief and understanding that Jesus was God's son and he rose from the grave. And it changes everything for us in our understanding of this. He says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. What we know and understand after Christ rose from the grave is that we, the New Testament shows us that God's Spirit takes residence in our hearts and our consciences to influence who or what we allow to influence our decisions. Holy Spirit taps on our hearts. It taps on our conscience. It's like, not yelling. It's just like, hey, this is not good. This is not good. And there's a place and a time where we need that. And really, there's a deeper thing going on here. And this is why you should consider becoming a follower of Christ. Because there are things in us, there are sins in us that, have, that are broken, that we need saving from. You can try to become a better person, but there's a deeper brokenness that you need full saving from. And only Christ can do that. Only He can fulfill that. That's where real heart change can happen. Where we can be pulled away from things that enslave us. And if you are a Christ follower, he is doing a work in you, and there's, there's, there's a continual thing where he longs to step into your life lovingly, saying, let's walk away from this. Let's walk towards wisdom. And my goal for you today is, is, is really to help you say, yeah, I do need these in my life. We don't think that. This other person needs it. I, you can tell me about a parent, a roommate, sibling, co-worker, a significant other, like, you know, like, okay, this is where they need this. And you say, well, I'm a good person. I set great goals. I'm, I'm actually doing pretty good in these different things. I don't really need this. But then you and I, we watch the world. We see prominent people. We're like, how could this person make this decision? How could they blow this? How did they not know when they tweeted this out? Like they were going to have to delete it immediately. How is that not readily apparent? Why is that? Because we've been crossing the lines. We've blurred these things over. But then we look at that and we say, that doesn't really impact me. That'll never happen to me. So let's look at it in a different way. The prominent people in your life, 
the closest people to you, you want them to have guardrails. In fact, you need them to. You want me <laughs> to have guardrails. Any pastors been in the news the last year or two? I mean, we can get real close in New York City. They've fallen, as we never would think. Since I live in that world, I could tell you, I could just write a list out. I'm part of classes, I'm part of ongoing training and teaching, and we talk about this. You want me to have guardrails. You wish your father had a guardrails, or your mom, or someone in your life now. The same is true of you. The same is true of you. So why wouldn't that be true for you? Going back to Ephesians. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This week, this week, I want you to pay attention. Just think about, begin to be intentional about your life. And knowing this now, where is your conscience dinging you? What is, what is going on in your heart? Those are the places. Where do you feel uneasy? You just kind of, uh, it's okay. That could be a guardrail. This week, just think about that. And then over the next four Sundays, we're going to talk about four areas of your heart that are principled, foundational places. We're going to talk about guilt. We're talking about anger, jealousy, and greed. And how important it is to see and understand these things. And it will help you live well this year. It will help you encounter Christ in a great way. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for your loving, encouraging words to us. We thank you for these incre the incredible wisdom that we have. And so uh, today we celebrate that. God, I pray for us as we start this year that we would have confidence because of who you are. I pray that we would continue what we learned at Christmas, that we have hope, peace, and joy and love in all things, no matter the circumstances. I pray that you would be part of our lives this year, and that we would love you, love each other, and love this city well because of that. We thank you and ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.